2: and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone.
0: Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest Kyle Gillette to the show leadership and business coach who fosters leadership development and processes improvement in others. Kyle's experienced both great successes as a business owner and frustrating failures. His successes were the result of great mentoring and coaching while his business failures were the result of not seeking the coaching and guidance that he needed from others. These experiences have led him down a very specific path from men's mentoring to pet resorts to HR and his experiences running a successful personal training business Helping people reach their human potential through the power of mindset has always been uh, on his path. This business and life education has put a desire in his heart to help people experience work from a whole new level of satisfaction and reward. Kyle's certifications in behavioral analysis, professional coaching, and personal training, along with a degree in kinesthesiology, make him uniquely qualified to serve and support his clients. Ultimately, this led Kyle to create the SAGE Mindset Leadership Framework. Kyle's helped small business owners and leaders around the world to take their businesses from good to great. He's an ICF certified coach, behavioral analyst, and creator of the Sage Mindset Leadership Framework that helps people in all aspects of life, including relationships with others as well as themselves. As a mindset coach who specializes in helping clients understand how their thoughts affect their lives and businesses, Kyle understands what it takes to change someone's mindset. His focus is on helping his clients build powerful self-awareness, in their life and business. Create extreme accountability to achieve big goals, dreams and results with a growth mindset that fosters empowerment for others so they can have the most influence possible in their lives. It's a
1: great pleasure that I welcome Kyle to the show. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Thanks, Jason. I'm, ex- I'm excited to be here. It's been fun chatting with you beforehand too. Absolutely. I was just telling you off the record
0: before we started that one of the things I mean, we, we were kind of reflecting on our life journey and where we've been and where we're going. And I was just saying to you how, how much I appreciate the fact that you're a life coach, ICF, and that you, you work with businesses and all various backgrounds. And um I just started, you know, my own journey on life coaching as a side thing that I wanted to do. But I wanted to ask you when you when you reflect on your experiences, what has been the most challenging obstacle you had to
1: overcome to be where you are right now? Challenging obstacle. You know, I think myself, my my own fears, my own reservations, the, the feeling and thoughts that I'm not worthy of helping the people that I've helped or stepping into the, the new levels that I want to step into and all the doubts that come with it. I've had my challenges in relationships and I've had my challenges in, in business and whatnot, but really it's in your head. And that's the biggest battle that I've had is overcoming those fears, whether it's public speaking or am I actually contributing to my clients? What difference is this actually making watching in the men's mentoring program, watch hundred and something students not actually finish the program and think, wow, I suck. What am I doing? How, how am I actually making a difference? So a lot of it's in my head and of, overcome a ton of that, but it's, it's going to be there. So that's been my biggest challenge for sure. I love your answer.
0: Cause I think anyone listening to this will say, you know what, that's so relatable because most of us struggle within ourselves to overcome our own obstacles. Right. And the fact that you could be completely forthcoming about that says a lot. And I appreciate that. And I think when you're able to quiet your own insecurities within your own mind or your doubts, you could be so much more powerful in what you can do. For me, that's that's such a, a telling thing about what we're going through, especially the last couple of years. So many people are in self-reflection, right? A lot of people get stuck in their own thoughts. From my vantage point, I want to ask you when you have a client come to you or a person come to you and they're stuck in a loop, you know, like I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. My my partner broke up with me and I'm alone and I I, I don't know what to do and I'm so despondent and depressed and and sad. And and they can't get out of that thought loop. I don't know, you know, you know, that kind of perpetuating negativity cycle in their mind. I want to ask you, what do you do to help them get unstuck?
1: Yeah, one of the first things is language. Our programming language is our words. And so I help them discover what they're saying. You know, there's the simple example is when someone says, I have to go do this. Instead of I get to go do this, you know, I have to go help my kids with school or I have to help them with homework or I have to go see these people or I have to go to work or whatever the negative language is there. Instead, if you just flip it to I get to that three letter word difference is is huge and literally can change a mindset. You need to be consistent, but it can change a mindset. So I start with with figuring out their language i have to study my clients and figure out their language and then feed it back to them and say well what does that sound like to you when if you heard someone say that what do you how what kind of impact do you think it would have on them and then they're like oh wait a second i get it
0: (laughs) i understand that you know my favorite one is when uh, if someone's talking to me and they're like well if i ever get that job You know, I would be so happy. And I'm like, just change the word if to when. You got to start thinking in your mind, when I get that job, I'll be so happy. Or when. And and that's just changing around in your mind, but they're concepts and paradigms. And I think that I believe real heavily in, in manifestation. And I think that, you know, when you can use words like when instead of if in your mind, acting like faking it till you make it in your head, but actually doing so in constructive ways, that you could really make some progress with yourself. It sounds like you do that with the sage mindset stuff. So that's that's awesome.
1: One one of the things that I do on on Mondays is I, I meet I meet with God on Mondays for 30 minutes. It's that, you know, personal development time and, and spiritual development time, right? 30 minutes. But the first thing I do is speak out the week in present tense. Well, actually I type it out, but I type out the week in present tense as if it's occurred or occurring what I expect to see happen. And a few weeks ago, I was talking about the website being done and finding an editor and a couple other things. And then I reflect back on it the next week. And that week, basically everything happened. You know, and then this, this past week before, just after that one, I talked about getting a new client and really excited about all that. And then it happened as well. And there's something about, I call them present tense goals. So it's something about writing out your your future in the present tense that creates this cognitive dis- disconnect. And then you have to fix it. And your subconscious goes to work on fixing it, which is wonderful because my subconscious is far more smart than my conscious is and allows things to come into place that I never could on my own. I never could by thinking about it real hard. It's just, it's, I can't, couldn't do it. So I love that exercise. It's something I learned from uh, the books called the one-minute salesperson, I think, is what it's called. But anyway, great, great method. I love that. I, I, you know,
0: I think when you can connect the dots on these things, you get aha moments, and I'm yeah. sure you get that with your clients where you help them connect their dots. And when you're working with like a leader in an organization, what have you found? Most leaders that you work with struggle within themselves that you help them find
1: confidence is is one of the big ones and then confusion there the confidence is, is the lack of confidence is from the confusion and the confusion is because they're they're looking at everything as if it's all happening at once as if every single problem in the midst of their whirlwind of of business and of work and of things they are doing is all happening right in this moment right now and they have to resolve it all right in this moment right now and nobody has the ability to do that nobody can take the thousand things that we need to get done over the course of the month or the quarter or whatever and resolve it right now. It's not possible, but we think that way. A lot of my clients just put themselves in this this, put themselves in a tizzy. <laughs> and then their brain gets so clouded and cluttered that they can't actually think about things from a clear standpoint. And so that's that's a real common thing. And then of course there's some practical stuff like time management and whatnot, but it starts with the way that they think about their work.
0: What do you think the last three years has taught you personally about leadership and business coaching in your own life?
1: Personal growth is enormous. If if I'm gonna if I'm gonna lead the people that I lead, uh, and I'm gonna coach the people that I coach, I need to be growing all the time and applying the things that I'm learning. Uh, the other thing is it's up to me, and that's that. <laughs> it's up to me. Now I need to surround myself with the right people, and I have, and I'm going to continue to do that but they're not gonna make me do anything. And I've learned from my clients that tons of them struggle with follow through. And it's not that they're bad people or they're not smart or they're not capable. It's just accountability and follow through is such a struggle for business owners because we're being pulled in so many different directions and it's difficult to know what to focus on. So for me, that's been a big lesson of, of I need to figure out exactly where I need to take my business and where I need to take my coaching. And, and then that that's an example to them but I, their journey is different than mine at the same time. So I'm, I'm learning to grow myself. I'm learning that I need to stay accountable to to pushing hard into my business, but not pushing that onto other people because their situation is different. But I want to help them stay accountable to their the own things they're doing and follow through on them.
0: I will tell you this, when I look at my own life and my own flaws, I know my flaws very well. All the self-reflection from the last few years, I know I procrastinate on things, I have to-do lists and then I if I have someone help me remind me of my to-do list, I'll get everything done, but if I'm sitting there by myself, I I'm all over the place sometimes because I'm very creative, so I like to do one topic mm-hmm. and go to the next, especially with my show, my podcast. I'm all, like I'll look at 10 different things and be like, "Oh my god, this is exciting." And then I have to like have the discipline in myself to say, "Yes, I need to follow through." I want to ask you this about the concept of failure, because I have dealt with significant failures in my life. People think that I have, you know, whatever on paper it shows that I've done, but I've dealt with my own failures. And one of the things that I've learned from my own failures is that if you're, if you're kinder to yourself, if you're forgiving to yourself, if you learn from your failures, but you're kind and forgiving about it and are able to move past it, it becomes a learning experience and not something etched in stone that haunts you forever. And I wanna ask you, what have you learned from your own experiences with setbacks, obstacles? I don't like to use the word failure because failure implies a permanent state of mind or a permanent situation. And and for me, I believe life's so fleeting and and in transit. That's just my opinion. But I wanna ask you, what's your viewpoint on it?
1: Yeah, I went to lunch with a buddy at a bar, like three, four, maybe probably 10 months ago now, actually somewhere in that range. And he, he's pretty bold in what he says. And he's, he likes to ask a lot of questions and we were talking about different things that I was doing, different things that he was doing. And then he said, Kyle, I need to tell you something like what, what's up? And he said, well, this might be kind of harsh. And I said, I don't, it's fine. Just tell me. And he said, I think you play it too safe. I think, I think you're not pushing it hard enough. I think you're, you're playing with fear. You know, there's, there's not this risk involved. And that really stuck with me. And so th- that's been, that's been this, this point of shift for me to the point where I, I believe that risk is a mindset, that we need to have our mindset on taking risks. And when you risk, you fail, but you have to fail and you fail forward to use John Maxwell language, you, you have to fail forward because if you don't fail forward, then it's an actual failure. You know, but if you fail forward, then then you're learning from it. Like you were saying, I think one of my biggest failures was probably the first book that I wrote. It's it's a, a book about my experiences in the men's mentoring program, and it, it's called Life Map: Building a Future While You're Lost in the Present. And it's all about creating this this future for yourself, even though you're really messed up and lost and confused about what's going on right now. And you answer some key questions, etc. But it's a good book. It's a good concept. It's a good For people to pursue. And it was my first version of life coaching. I've switched to business coaching, but it was my first version of life coaching. But because it was hard, I quit. And I had a website, I had like 40 blog posts, and I had all kinds of other content and all kinds of other things happening. And I think I had some momentum, but I quit. I got scared and I quit. And I think that, and it wasn't just a a shift, it wasn't just a pivot. I just quit. And then I went into HR and, and did that, which was good. And it's worked out. But the risk initially was writing the book. It was scary and I took the risk, but then I quit on it. And I think that for me, that's the biggest lesson. Yes, you need to take risks, but once you fail, don't quit on it. Pivot or learn from it or iterate. But I quit and, and darn it, I still have some regrets because I'm wondering if I would, if I would have this huge number of people that I could have continued to influence had I not stopped.
0: I, I gotta, I gotta ask you a few questions about that. Did you publish your book? I did, yeah. So I have to be just Sunday. Oh, what is today? Thursday, Thursday quarterback for you and say, I've never published a book. I don't consider that a failure. A failure to me is something else, but definitely not that.
1: Sure.
0: And so I I appreciate that you view that as your own personal failure and and quitting it. But in my mindset, it's a detour you went on. See, I just, in my mind, I I just look at things a little differently after having cancer a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I've, I've learned to be more fluid in life, but I've never had anyone come on the show and say that a book that they wrote represents one of their past failures. To be honest with you, that's a that's a high that's a high threshold. And I appreciate that.
1: Well, but. the way I look at it is every day. When I'm interacting with my clients, with my kids, with my wife, there's little moments where, where I don't give it the best. And those are those little failures. It's okay. I don't beat myself up about it, but I recognize them. And I think we have all those little moments. Like a a simple example is when my wife wants to watch the Olympics and I want to watch this TV show and I'm, I go, no, let's watch the TV show instead. And then she's disappointed. That's a little failure. And I don't want to do that. I want to try to, I don't need to be perfect, but I want to notice those things because those hurt a little bit. They hurt her and they hurt me a little bit. And so I want to notice those things and do something about it. So when I, put all this massive effort into the writing the book and publishing man and then i don't continue to fall through on it oops <laughs> there's I a mean, big lesson there but that's kind of the it, way i look at it
0: i look at it this way too so you you walked away from it after publishing it doesn't mean you can't resuscitate it or work on a different format 100%. It, right 100 percent. and i think that's that's actually great for our audience to hear because you can you can look at something one day and see it as a setback a failure. But you could go back and rework it, and turn it into something else. Or the learning experience you gained from it, you could use towards another thing that can help you pivot and grow and develop and perfect yourself. Right? We're all in the process of becoming. Uh, I want you to. I want to shift gears though, and I want to talk about successes. What sure. have you found from your successes that you you have been able to utilize as in your coaching and, and mindset practice to help others?
1: You know, I think successes are, are tied to our strengths that if we lean into our strengths, we're going to have far more success than if we try to fix our weaknesses. And that's a strengths finders type concept. But there's a story about these uh, 10th graders in Missouri in the fifties that they went through this reader program, this, this accelerated reader program. And there was two groups of students. They averaged one group, they averaged 90 words per minute. When they, when they read, they're reading 90, word, 90 words per minute. And the other group averaged 300 words per minute. And they both, all all of the students went through the same program. There's 6,000 students. So it's a huge, huge number of students. So it's, you know, good, good data. And when the students that had the 90 words per minute finished, they improved. But what do you think their number was? They went from 90 to what do you think the number went to, Jason?
0: A higher degree of, of a number, I would think. Yes, think. yeah. Yeah. Like 95%. So it
1: went, so they went from 90 words per minute to 150. That's oh, what I meant. Yeah. So that's, that's good. 60 something percent improvement. But then the people that read 300 words per minute, they also improved. What do you think they went to? It
0: probably went down.
1: So they yeah. actually went, went to 2,900 words per minute. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> They just skyrocketed. And here's the deal. I think when it comes to to growth and development and success, when you lean into your strengths, you multiply. But when you lean into your weaknesses, then you subtract because you're spending time on the things that aren't going to improve very much. And you're taking away from the time that you could be spending on things you're already good at. And then that creates a much more multiplying effect. So for me, that's been huge. It's taken me a long time to realize that what i'm really good at is having conversations with people and getting deep with them getting deep like into the the tears type conversations not about their past but about their present and their future cuz i love that i'm not a consultant i'm not excuse me i'm not a counselor uh so that's where my strengths are and i'm really good at reading people's personalities and talking to them about that and being very blunt with it and so i was introduced to DISC assessments when i was in hr and i had the opportunity to do 100 disc assessments with people but what that meant was they took the assessment then i spent an hour with 100 people one-to-one going through their results and having deep intimate conversations with them and it was in the church context so a lot of times it went spiritual as well so really deep tears and emotions and experiences and fears and that was a huge success for me because it leaned into the strengths that i already have and then I just have gotten better and better at it. And now I've done you know hundreds more of those one-to-one conversations and it's been a beautiful thing. I'd say that's some of the successes I've had.
0: It's interesting when you say that in reference to coaching and, and helping others, I know a lot of people put on a, a, a wall when they're around a persona, when they're around other people. And then when they probably work with you or I've had clients call me for even just readings and I'm doing life coaching stuff in the future, but their vulnerabilities come out. And their insecurities. And most of us, even as adults, probably inside with our insecurities, you could probably see a five-year-old child in us, right? And with those insecurities, we can lash out at people. I don't mean we meaning me, but I mean, people who have insecurities can lash out at people. They can take things differently than what you perceive them to be. And there's a lot of that. It creates conflict. And I want to ask you, you, do you have experience working with your clients where they come in with a certain perceived notion of their own inadequacies or insecurities and you're able to help them learn how to effectively channel or change their viewpoints so that they're they're more productive within themselves.
1: Yes, often they are it's it's back to that lack of confidence. they feel like an imposter, kind of that buzz language. but ultimately, when I reflect back to them what they're saying to me or what they've accomplished or what or between sessions they they assign themselves something to do, and then they report back to me the progress that they made. They diminish it. They, they, they go, well, you know, I talked to this person and I had this sales call and I closed this one, but I didn't close this one. And even their tone of voice and their language is so negative. And then I go and I say back to them, so you closed this call. You had this conversation. You hired this person. And now you have this much more revenue in your business. That's pretty good. And they're like, oh, huh. And oftentimes we just need that. So with my clients, a lot of it is helping them to step back and do the meta view of their own life and their own world. And I, and I teach them a method. We could talk about that in a minute, but I teach them a method to do that. That's very simple and it takes you know 30 seconds to do, but oftentimes we're so busy and people don't take the time to step back and look and go, wow, actually I have accomplished a lot. I had a conversation with, I don't remember who it was, but it was one of those people that talks about story and that your story matters. And I don't have this crazy, like I was hurt in my life in the past and abused and drug alcohol type stuff. I don't, I don't have that. And I'm glad I don't. And I'm, and for the people that do, I'm so glad they've made it through, right? We all have our own story, but I always diminish that my story didn't have all these crazy, crazy things that happened in it because that I think is glorified a bit in our culture And for those that make it through, it should be made a big deal because it's freaking hard. And I worked with well over 100 of the people that went through that. So I know what it's like from their perspective to go through it. But I was beating myself up and feeling bad for myself that I didn't have some crazy story. And then the person pointed out to me that, no, you do have a story. You just need to think about it and write it down and look at it. And so now I actually collect stories, simple little silly stories about my life to remind me, no, I have come a long way. And all everybody else that's listening, everybody else that that has, everybody has stories. And they've come a long way too. It's just their own journey and their own difficulties. So that's the type of messaging that I want my clients to understand. And when they catch that, it's that mindset shift again for them.
0: Since you do coaching, I want to ask you, and you mentioned some spirituality. I want to ask you what your viewpoints are with spirituality and how it intersects with coaching.
1: I coach, to me, there's... So the mantra that I use is trust the client, trust the process and trust the spirit or trust the Holy Spirit. So I'm a Christian. So that's what I lean into. Uh, So trust the process, trust the client, trust the Holy Spirit. And now if they're not someone that is spiritual in that nature or spiritual at all, then I'm still praying for them. I'm still hoping for them for the best and all those things, but I don't press it into them. Yeah. Uh, But for me, that's how I bring uh, the spiritual aspect into coaching and people I've never had anyone reject it or resist it. If, if the conversation turns to that angle and I'm able to bring up, can we pray together? Or what does this mean for you spiritually? Or those types of questions, hundred percent open and more than open. They're like glad that I asked it because I think that's that deeper part of us. That's the soul part of us that, that coaching can get to that other forms of conversation never do unless they're extremely purposeful. You know, you can get there with friends and stuff sometimes, but uh, it's, it's rare in a professional setting to get to that deep, deep soul level transformation, which is the, the heart of coaching. It's not, it's not transactional, it's transformational. So.
0: Well, one of the things I, I found as a paradigm shift for myself when it comes to life coaching for just personal experiences, when I've gone through exercises with it and see the value personally you could have from being coached by somebody where you help the person being coached arrived at their own perspectives and guide them and, it's powerful. It's, uh, it's a very great resource. And I would encourage all, of, all the people listening to this that if they have doubts about themselves, they should research and find someone like yourself who can give them sage advice and guidance. Friends that I've worked with, because I've been practicing my life coaching, the people I, I use as my, as my practice people, they, they value from it too. There's just such a connection you can develop with yourself. It's like, it's like going and looking at a pool and having it reflect back at you for the first time, right? When you get coached and you get to see these, these concerns, and then you also get to see what weaknesses you have in yourself about your approach. And I want to ask you, what what has been your personal experience with coaching, both receiving it and giving it? And how do you think the value of coaching has really impacted not only your life, but others?
1: Yeah, my, I received a lot of coaching when I was in college and Once I got my first, first set of jobs, it was all underneath the umbrella of a, of a nonprofit, but I was coached slash mentored by a serial entrepreneur that was extremely successful. And he retired in his fifties and then started a nonprofit and I got to work with him, for him, underneath him, whatever you want to say for nine years. But every Tuesday we'd have lunch together and we'd meet for an hour and a half and talk about life, about business, about the students in the program and I had a lot of questions about life, about business and about the students in the program. And so he answered them, but he was great at asking questions too. It it wasn't, he wasn't the advising, he wasn't the advice giver, the advice monster, which is not what a coach is. You know, I think people have this misconception of what a coach is. A consultant tells you what to do. A coach asks you a lot of questions and pulls the answers out of you. And both are great. Both have a role. But a consultant says, this is how you've solved this problem. This is what you do. The coach is is go, t- teaching you to, to resolve your own situations and your own problems. And then both are valuable. There's no there's no lesser value here. It's just context. And he, he played both roles. He played the consultant and the coach. But when he coached, it changed my life. I mean, the consulting, for sure, when he's kind of telling me what to do and helping me, that that grew me, but it didn't transform me. Exactly. And so when he asked me questions, so for me in my personal experience with coaching from him definitely that was a piece of it but now getting professional coaching from trained coaches it's a different even a better and different level because it's like it's like they reach inside of your heart and your head in this way that's not possible from any other conversation and they pull out and they go and they and they they show you this thing because you've been talking about it and you get it out in the open and you're looking at this thing and you're like oh wow that's how I think about. it. That's what's wrong. So I, I had a conversation last Thursday with the co- with my coach. I have two coaches right now, but with one of them, and we were talking about my strengths. And I said, I'm just not very strategic. I, I'm one of my not one of my strengths is a st- strategic strength, but it's not that great in terms of like obvious strategic strategy. But he's very strategic. My coach is, and in the long run, basically, we realized he helped me realize that. The way for me to be strategic is to use my strength of connecting with other people and find people that are wired to be strategic. It's so stupidly obvious, but an <laughs> hour-long conversation for that to come out. And that's what coaching can do for people. And that changes my life forever, if you think about it. I'm already surrounding myself with good people, but if I can bring one or two people that are really strategic in, that will totally change my life and my business and those that I impact. And that's why I love coaching. And that's why coaching works so freaking well.
0: <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I hear you describing this. I'm thinking, yeah, we're not, you know, life coaches aren't fixers. You're not supposed to be a fixer. if you're If you're that, you're doing something else. And, you know, I think of light switches when you talk about your life coaching experience. You flip the switch on, you get the aha moment. Things get clearer for you. The clarity, that's healing, right? It's a healing modality when you coach somebody, think about it. You're helping them overcome their own inadequacies within themselves to become somebody better, somebody stronger, somebody more focused with their own perspectives and goals. And that's power, right? Empowerment is huge, but having the ability to see that in somebody else and help them reach that potential gradually over time, like you're, I would say like your coach or mentor did, who was the uh, the guy that ran the nonprofit. It sounds like you had both versions, like you had the mentoring, you had the consulting, and then you also had the coaching. Yep, and that's that's great i want to ask you when you're looking at your own experiences how did you develop the sage method
1: that's a fun story so when i after going through that program being working in that program for nine years it was a men's mentoring program we helped 18 and 25 year olds that were off track in life find traction through we helped them build a life map amazing experience i'm going to skip all the details of that but I did that and then floundered around a little bit in some other jobs and landed in HR, which exposed me to the DISC stuff. And if people aren't familiar with DISC, it's a a behavioral measurement tool. So it helps you to objectively look at your own behaviors and habits. And I I got um, introduced to that, got certified in it, and I fell in love with that. And so I quit my job doing HR and... Started running more of a consulting version of what I have now based on workshops and a little bit of coaching. But then I got a John Maxwell certification, got an ICF certification, started to roll with it. But all of that was not exactly where I needed to go because I didn't have my own thing. You know, you have the social psychic, it's yours. You can do whatever the heck you want with it, basically, whenever the heck you want with it, and talk to whoever you want to talk to and do and adjust it however you want. It's beautiful. well i couldn't do that with disk it wasn't it wasn't mine and i love it and i still use it but it wasn't mine and so i was starting to think and pray and and really quote chew on the idea of what is my leadership framework what is the one that i get to put out there to the world and and i had these i love acronyms and i had all these acronyms that were like three s's and a t and a r and nobody's gonna remember that crap and so one night it was three in the morning I'm laying in bed. My wife was a, was at the time working at night, night shift. So I was alone in the room and boom, I wake up, just shot, just wide awake. And I hear a voice say self-awareness. And that was the word that I needed to connect all the dots. So I jumped out of bed, ran into the kitchen, Damn. sat in, in at the kitchen table, just in my boxers, shivering for four hours as I scribbled out the beginnings of the sage mindset. And that was my introduction to it. And so it's not even really mine. I, I really don't believe it's mine. I get to steward it. I get to facilitate it, but it's not mine. yet I get to do whatever I want with it, which is like the perfect <laughs> the perfect thing in my from my perspective. So you experience what I would call a download.
0: I had one of those in the shower a couple months ago for my another podcast I'm working on for mentorship and stuff. And I was in the shower. It sounds like what you did. I had to do, I had to like get out of the shower, go to my table after I dried off and put, you know, got ready. And then I sat there for like four hours and came up with the concepts. And it's like direct download from above a higher power that helps us. Right. And then you go from there and you're like, wow, how amazing is it that you can create on that level and that level of, I wouldn't say ferocity, I'd say like just. Strong, like powerful messages that you are now utilizing for others. Yep. I like the I like the term sage. Yeah, I like I like your your terminology. I think it's 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 very much. Um, something that defines you really well. And I wouldn't doubt in the future if you're not going to expand upon that and do your own retreats and stuff. If you haven't done that already, I see you doing retreats in the future. And I also see you networking and working with people in California for some reason. I'm just telling you real quick what I'm picking up. Okay. I think you're going to have some projects south of you on the West Coast and you're going to do really well and you're going to expand yourself. And you're going to be a prolific writer in the future too. I see you writing stuff more than you have in the past where you feel like it's a failure. That's actually a stepping stone. That's giving you the ability now to watch what you're doing. Like I'm doing my second show Psychic Visions now after deciding that I would tone down on the lawyering and pursue and take risk. And I think that your risk is going to reward you and it already has, but it's going to continue to reward you for this next several years. So it's really exciting that I get you on the show now. And, and then I look forward to hearing about these other things coming up for you, like books, treats, you're gonna, and you're also going to revamp a website too in the future. There's something you're going to rework on that too. But yeah,
1: well, it's funny. We just finished revamp. Well, we're almost done revamping the website. I've got <laughs> I've, this retreat thing that I do want to do a retreat for sure. I don't, I need to get the book done and all that stuff, but I want to have sage retreats for sure. And it's not a simple, it's more, you know, like very... It's for business, but it's also a personal transformational experience at the same time is, is what's in my head for it. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm I okay can tell you. <laughs>
0: I mean, look, hey, you might coach others. You might work with leaders. But sometimes it's good when you can hear, like, if I pick up something, it can give you some fine tuning for yourself, knowing you're on the right path. You're yeah. definitely on the right path. I have zero doubt there. Like, yeah, for sure. I, I want to ask you this. What do you think we need to do to hold ourselves accountable? Hmm
1: commit it starts first with commit uh there's a there's a story of these f- three lo- frogs that are on a log and two of them two of them decide to jump off and then a few seconds later how many frogs do you think are on the log Jason one <laughs> three because two of them decided to jump off but they didn't commit and we are constantly deciding to do things but we're not committing and if you've been watching the Olympics or Or if you think about jumping out of an airplane, there's these points in a, in like ski jumping or snowboard jumping, where you hit into that trough of the jump and you're starting to go up, no matter what you do to try to stop yourself, the momentum is carrying you over that, over that ledge, or you're, you're going out of the airplane. But if you're at the top of the hill, just before you go, you can stop there. If you're going down the hill and you're not into the trough of the jump yet, you can stop still. You still haven't committed, but once you get to that point where no matter what you do, you you're committed you're off, you're off of that limit. What's
0: that? Sky's the limit after that.
1: Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing to commit. It's scary because you lose gravity when you do that, you're losing gravity and you're like, it's kind of out of control, but we need to have that level of commitment in order to, to really keep accountability. That's the first piece. And then I, and I talk about a, a process that I'll very quickly go through, but I teach all my clients a process called the accountability pass and it's P A S S I love acronyms. Before we're done, I'll have to explain what SAGE stands for, because it's not just the word. But PASS is passive, active, structures, and self. So self is the commitment, right? So we'll start there. But self is, it's up to you. It's up to me. Like our accountability is up to us. People can step in and be like a check engine light for us and say, hey, did you notice the check engine lights on? And they'd like, punching you on the shoulder as you're driving. You're oh yeah, I should do something about that. And then two weeks later, they're sitting shotgun they're like, hey dude, did you know your check engine light's on still? Oh crap, I better do something about that. But the check engine light's actually warning you about some employee in your business that you should have fired 10 months ago. (laughs) Because a lot of people struggle with that or some conversation you need to have with your spouse or whatever, right? But passive accountability is the idea of Sharing your story. What's your passion behind what you do? So your second podcast, there's a story behind that. You already kind of started to tell that story to me. And there's a passion, a heart, a meaningful thing behind it. It's not just, hey, I'm going to start a second podcast. That's boring. Nobody cares. But if you tell me that there's this passionate reason behind it and you start to tell 10, 15, 20, 30 people about it, you've created passive accountability because 20% of those people will follow up with you. And say, hey, how's it going with that podcast idea that you had? That makes you want to kind of continue to pursue it. Active accountability is talking to two or three people. Typically, it ends up just being one. But you connect with two or three people and say, hey, I have this thing that I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about this podcast. And this is why. This is what's happening behind the scenes. I want to tell you about it. And like, oh, that's really cool. And then you ask them, you say, hey, can we meet on a biweekly basis or weekly to talk about... Me making this thing happen and just stay consistent with it, and I'd love to support you in, in something that you're trying to achieve. That's active accountability, and that's that's like someone always shotgun or weekly shotgun in your car, saying, "Hey, that check engine lights on," or whatever. And then structures are the things that we put in our lives to create uh, accountability. So you know, my phone is a great one, right? Alerts on my phone. Yeah. Uh, another one is your calendar calendar, exactly, to-do lists. But I was coaching somebody the other day and, and she was talking about wanting to grow her team and get to this next level with her team. And it was an internal thing. It wasn't about growing in size. It was about growing them as people. And so I, and so we talked about it and started asking questions. And ultimately she arrived at, I'm going to write up a contract and I'm going to give it to them and say, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is my agreement with you of what I'm going to do for you. And she's going to hand every one of those employees this contract that promises them that she's going to help them grow. That's a structure. That's accountability. Like <laughs> you're, you're signing your name on a line that says, I'm going to help you grow this year as an employee and as a person, you talk about people, you know, staying committed sure. and, and, and telling a bunch of people about this. So, so that in a in a brief, in a brief nutshell is the accountability pass. And it's very strategic way to create accountability in in your life and in your business. I want to ask you this because time goes fast when we do these
0: interviews. <laughs> they just it just does. Yeah. I want to ask you about your own podcast, how you yeah. got to developing it and what has been your experience with podcasting for yourself.
1: Yep. Yeah. I love podcasting. Uh, I sometimes I need a break from it because there's there's work, a lot of work involved of doing the interviews and edits and all that stuff. But I love doing podcasts, and it it, it kind of just came out of, honestly, it's a cheat code because <laughs> it, it's a cheat code for personal development because I get to kind of pick and choose on Podmatch. I have like twenty five people that are interested. And and I'm you know I I'm looking through and I'm going, ah, I'm probably not a great fit. Probably. And then I'm looking at this one guy and I'm like, yes, I want to learn about that. And I think my audience wants to learn about that too. And so I get these hour-long conversations with people that have all kinds of crazy insights. Yeah. And the secret is I don't have to pay for it. They're doing <laughs> it for free. So I have all these wonderful networking conversations with people. And I get to learn so much so from much. them. Yeah. It's beautiful. So I, I love podcasting for that reason. And then I want to promote them. So I try to do as best as I can and get, get their name out there to promote what they're doing and encourage what they're doing because it's, it's a, an abundance mindset. It's not a scarcity mindset. And that's what I love about the podcast community too. It's an abundance community. You and I talk, and I think it'd be great to have you on my show and still not, you're going to help promote me. I'm going to help promote you. And we both win. That's, that's that. I, everybody wins. If you think about insane. it, the audiences win, the platform, the
0: self-confidence you gain doing your own show. I, I never thought I would have my own show. Ten years in 2008, I had a psychic tell me once, you're going to be on the radio someday. And I was a lawyer only at the time. And I'm like laughing at the guy like, are you kidding me? Now I consider him one of my <laughs> favorite psychics to call for entertainment purposes on occasion. <laughs> he, he was exact right. Exactly right. In 2017, I started my own, 2018. I started my own show with no experience or anything. I just woke up one day. I was like, you know what? I think I should try to do this. And then I started doing it and realized I have a passion for it and love it so much that I'm I'm more excited talking about my show and my podcast or the psychic visions thing than I am about <laughs> other things. I should be excited about, but it's just. I, and I also consider it like our opportunity to really have collegiality increase. It gives us the opportunity to work together and tackle things. And I do consider it like a virtual tour. Uh, even during the last two years when I had to stay home a lot because of the pandemic, I was able to last year do 109 episodes for my my show. And I did that because I think I was restless having to stay home all the time, having to stay in Florida all the time. I want to go and talk to other people. And this is like my way to do that. And that's why I was curious. I wanted to find out what you thought of your experience with podcasting. And I, I tell other people I work with, if you have an idea and you're creative about it, develop a, a show around it, develop a limited series podcast if you don't want to commit too deeply, but do something, create something, write something. And you've been doing this all along. So you're exactly what I tell people they should do because there's power and creativity. It flushes through insecurities. It helps guide you. It gives you meaning. It gives you purpose. It's powerful.
1: Well, I, I, the thing that the podcast has done for me is help me find my voice. It took me, and I tell people this when they ask me about podcasts, when they want to start one or whatever, it took me probably 10 weeks to find my voice. And what I mean by voice is the way I talk on the show. And then I realized I just just talk like myself (laughs) and the perfect, well, I'll skip that story. But anyway, that was huge because after I found my voice on the podcast, I was able to start to speak and I don't particularly like speaking (laughs) engagements, but now I'm starting to actually like them because I've been in front of enough people on podcasts and I've hosted enough people that it's helped me on that front too. And it's helped me to just be able to talk without having to think too much and not have to have everything perfectly prepared and be okay with stumbling around a little bit. (laughs) And that's so huge. As business leaders, we're we're always talking and, and coming up with ideas. And if you can articulate them in the moment, that really helps your leadership. And so this is all a ton of wonderful practice for something that's still to come. And that's that's the beauty of podcasts for me too. Absolutely. I want to ask you this, tell our
0: audience where they can find you. We're going to get into the other stuff too, but I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to tell our, I mean, I'm going to have it in the show notes too, but I always like, if there's something you want to touch on that you want to share with my audience, I'd love to have you share your information with us. And obviously I'm going to put in the show notes and they said, but I'd like to have you do that.
2: So
1: yeah, for sure. So go to sagemindset.com. That's the best way to reach me. I'm always open to networking conversations. I'm open to discovery calls, all that kind of stuff. But SageMindset.com is the place to go. And my programs, my courses, the podcast, all that stuff is on there.
0: I want to ask you too, you have stuff coming up. Share with our audience what you have coming up because it sounds super exciting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the first thing is I'm launching a a program called the Sage Business Blueprint. And that's all about helping business owners that are, they're growing already, but they're not sure how they got there and helping them to create a system out of their process to create a consistent system so that they can have predictable success, predictable growth. It's a, a three month program with a, up to seven other entrepreneurs. There's group coaching, but there's also instruction, homework. It's hard, but it freaking works. It's what I've been taking my one-to-one clients through and they're getting their results, period. <laughs> And so now I'm like, let's take some group people through it so it costs less. So that's one thing. The, the other one is the book. The book is coming out. It's called The Sage Leader, and that'll come out probably in May, I'm thinking. Uh, the editing will be done in March, and we'll have to ramp it up. But it's all about the, the habits and mindsets of, of great business leaders, of what, what mindsets and habits you need to put into place, into your business, into your into your life, so you can have, again, predictable success in what you do. And it also is going to bring a lot more calm and de-stress and that time freedom that we all want as business owners. And then the one that's probably going to come next that I'm most excited about at this moment is my app. And it's called the Sage Mindset app. And if you think about, so Jason, what's your favorite team in any sport? What's your favorite team? Buccaneers, Tampa Bay. Okay. Okay. So when you think about the Buccaneers, do you know Tom Brady's stats from last season? Reasonably well.
0: off the top of my head. I mean, I can look them up, but yes, I fo- okay. I've been following the Bucks for a while. So,
1: and and when you watch the Super Bowl I, towards towards the end of the game when they were playing, you knew what the score was. You knew the down and distance. You knew you had all the stats that you needed to know whether they're going to win or lose. It was it was obvious. In our professional development our personal development, we don't have those stats. We don't know whether we're, <laughs> we're winning or losing. What's yeah. that?
0: Tom Brady, go, greatest of all time, right? I mean, (laughs) his stats personally, but.
1: Yeah, we just don't, we don't know how we're doing. Typically, we don't have stats on ourselves. And so using the SAGE framework, which is self-awareness, accountability, growth, and empowerment, I'm having people take one habit and focus on it for 60 days in each of those areas and they journal about it. So that's the mindset work. We're going to journal about what happened that day. What was my experience? How did I do with this habit? How did I do with this mindset? And then they score themselves on a one to five, which is just like smiling faces, but they score themselves on that. And then that goes into their data. That goes into their statistics. And the goal is for everybody to improve 1% every day in those things. And if you average about a four, you're going to improve 1% every day. Now, you can lie and give yourself a five every time, but what's the point of that? Improvement. (laughs) And then that moves you into a leader leaderboard, and you get you get um, rewards for day streaks, word number of words, all kinds of stuff like that. So I've gamified it to make it a lot of fun for people to stay engaged as well. So that one I'm super excited about because it's going to bring a community of people that are all passionate about growth and developing themselves and creating self awareness and empowering other people into one community that then gets to support each other throughout the process. So I'm super excited about that app that's coming out. I don't have a date, but it's it's going to be this, very likely this quarter. So,
0: And I want to ask you this. When you're looking at all these things you're doing and all the people you're working with and helping and guiding, what do you find for yourself that you get to do to avoid burnout? I burn out sometimes. Like I have to take a break and step away from things for a few days. But I want to ask you, how do you do a burnout? Because it, it sounds like you're so highly productive yourself.
1: And that's that's so inspiring. Yeah, burnout sucks. (laughs) I've been there (laughs) recently. I'm going, am I going to do that again? Like, am I getting to a point where I'm going to burn out again? And so I'm I'm actually, I've become much more self-aware of the energy levels that I have and how much work that I'm doing at at one time. So Saturdays are a big deal for me because I take my daughters out on dates every Saturday. And so that's really refreshing. And then I'll take my wife out on, on dates as well on Saturdays. So that's been super refreshing, and then I do a, a weekly review. That's really refreshing. That reminds me of what I've done, what I'm doing, and what I need to stop doing, what I need to continue doing. It's it's a set of questions that I ask myself, and it's been that's really helpful. But the other thing is, I have this big goal coming up. I'm going to go climb Mount Shasta with a bunch of friends, oh. and it, that's a fourteen thousand foot mountain for people that aren't familiar with that name. And we're going to climb it in May, in about three months from now, and so. I'm exercising. I have a 50 pound bag in my garage that I put on my back and I climb up on a treadmill at the steepest incline I could create. And I'm doing all these squats and push ups and burpees and, and all kinds of stuff to get into shape. And so that's feeding me physically. And that's making a, that's really helpful. That's really making a difference for me. And then, We, as part of our church, we're part of this group that meets on Wednesdays. And that's been really helpful as well to connect. And we just, last night we met and we laughed for like an hour. We just (laughs) hung out and laughed for an hour. It was great. Everybody's, we we got serious and we laughed. That was the two things that happened. And it was, it was beautiful. We're just hanging out, giggling. And (laughs) that is very refueling for, I think everyone. Uh, And it definitely was for me. So laugh and exercise and spend time and I'm spending time with those that I love, you know, dearly and deeply. And, and those three things have really made a huge difference for me. And so, and they keep me sober because I was talking to a client yesterday about how I said, you're kind of drunk right now. Everything is spinning and things are crazy in your business. And so you're drunk and you can't make good decisions. And I want to help you get sober. And she's like, I know I need to get sober. <laughs> and And that's what I have to do, too. I have to make sure to stay sober as I run my business and not let the whirlwind spin my head around so much that I'm dizzy and confused. Absolutely. I love the
0: fact that you're going to climb Mount Shasta, because for me, I've never done that, but 14 years ago... and. For several years, I did a couple of half marathons and a full marathon. Awesome. And when you're talking about training to climb the mountain, I think about the gradual steps you take with a marathon where you go one mile a day, walking, going at your own pace, and eventually you'll, you'll get to that level that you need to get to. And it says a lot about the limits of human performance. Yeah. As long as you feed your body correctly and do certain things, take time and not be harsh on yourself if you fall or stumble or you know have an off day, it gives you the ability to really transcend. And it sounds like that's what you're doing not only in your professional life, but also in your personal life. And I really appreciate you sharing that with our audience. I want to ask you about the the greatest struggle you find your clients deal with that you work with them as leaders. Like what do you think you found as a an obstacle most people deal with that you can help them kind of grasp, take a zoom out, look at it, and then help them around it to yeah. accountability or whatnot?
1: Their leadership. I think I think that's my answer. You know, I've mentioned confidence before with with this, and I think that's true. But I'm finding that a lot of these leaders aren't leading themselves as well as they could, because either one, they're not quite sure how to do that. Two, they're over serving, and they're just stretched so thin that it's difficult for them to lead themselves. And that means that they're not as healthy as they could be. They're not the best version of themselves. One of the phrases I consistently use in my book is helping you to become the leader you're meant to be. That's the phrase that I that I love to use. And that's my goal with my clients is help them become, it's one of them, to become the leaders they're meant to be. And when you become the leader you're meant to be, you become a sage leader. That's, that's the result. And a sage leader is extremely empowering. They're super self-aware and all those other things. And with that comes a little high level of contentment with that comes much more clarity with that comes momentum, all those other things fall into place. So if I can help them become more self-aware, that foundation of leadership, that's, that's the difference maker for my clients. That's the root of really what we do. Accountability is what holds it all together, but self-awareness is the foundation of what makes my clients improve, what makes them stick with improving, what makes them be a better leader because they're aware of their impact on other people and the way people perceive them, all those things. And it's it's wonderful because people love to be more self-aware. <laughs> they want to know themselves. They love to talk about themselves. So it's easy to go down that path, but you got to get them to take a break. Like pump the freaking brakes, dude. Let's talk for a moment about you and who you are, what you're about and one of those key pieces is discovering your mission or discovering your vision. And that's some work that I do in the blueprint workshop, but also with my one-to-ones because <clears throat> for me, when I discovered that just recently, actually, oh my goodness, it, it it is phenomenal what it does for you. And so I want that for my clients. It just took me way too long to discover it, but I'm glad, I'm glad I did.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I know we're running low on time, but I want to, I want to thank you for coming on. I just think, What you're doing right now, I have so much respect for people that make it a point in their own life to figure out a way to help work and empower others, guide others. I think your Sage method is is amazing, the way you're describing the concepts. I really relate to it. And I think you're going to have a lot of success coming up, like I said earlier, just in taking it to the next level, taking it to the next step, expansion. I see growth, expansion, personal enjoyment coming forward for you. So I'm looking forward. I know you said your book's coming out. When it does come out, I'd love to have you back on to talk about your book because the concept concept of leadership is something that I've always had an interest in. And I believe like the ability to build leadership in others and within ourselves helps fuel a lot of things in our society that we can accomplish that we don't even think about. And so those are powerful things. And I um, I want to ask you this and, and this is something I haven't done in a while, but if you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why?
1: You know the t- tiger came to mind immediately <clears throat> so I guess I should go with that. you know trust trust the instincts there. Why would I be a tiger? I think tiger well this is going to sound kind of this is going to sound funny, but I think tigers are beautiful. <laughs> they're they're my favorite wild animal uh, they' they're 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 large, they're the biggest cats that are out there they're predators but they're calm some you know they're calm when they need to be they're they're sly and and secretive and stealthy when they need to be they're strategic as well a bunch of s's that's funny anyway um, but they're beautiful too and 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 no matter how fierce they are people still want to pet them they still want to be around them and, and interact with them and some people amazingly get to And so that's my hope is that I can be like that. I can be stealthy and I can be strategic and I can be aggressive and assertive and all those things that are that I can attack the things that are important to attack. Not people, of course, but go after my prey, which is whatever it is that I'm supposed to accomplish. But then at the same time, I'm cuddly and people want to be around me when they lay down, they freaking purr. (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's like the concept of protection too right if
0: you're a tiger you know you can protect your own you know you can protect what's important to you and what has meaning and purpose
1: yeah and yeah so that's i guess that would be my answer to that
0: i always say owl because i have two parrots and it's just an easy go by for me but if i was to pick another animal i'd probably say something like hmm i struggle sometimes trying to come
2: up with these yeah but
0: I like the idea of, of something like a eagle, something that soars, because I like to set my limits high. And even if I stumble, it's not like it's your permanent situation. You can overcome. And so those are things. That, and then wisdom is always important. That's why I really like sage that you use as your own branding. I think it's awesome. But that's that's what I would pick. I just want to thank Kyle for coming on the show today. What an amazing conversation to have with someone who. Who's focused so much of their effort and energy to become an outstanding leadership and business coach? Uh, Leadership development is very critical. I think we obviously need people who follow leaders, but if you can create your own ideas and your own path and have the confidence to follow through, not to be deterred by obstacles or challenges, you could do a lot of things that you've never imagined could be possible. And I'm real big on manifestation and staying grounded and working overcoming your own personal insecurities. And I think someone like Kyle is definitely someone you should check out. Check his information out. I'm going to have the information in, in, in the show notes. And so I really look forward to sharing that with our audience. I think just the fact that you have somebody on here who's their own podcast host, they have their own Sage leadership framework, the Sage Mindset app, and a prolific author. And you'll see that more in the future. But I think that's so, so powerful, the message itself, empowerment. It really resonates with me. So check out this information. It'll be in the show notes and reach out to Kyle. If you have questions about coaching, self-awareness, empowerment, accountability, those are all very good words to learn and helping you to harness your own strengths and overcome obstacles and working with somebody. That's what Kyle is. And I I really believe you'll find results because I've personally experienced what it's like to be at least life coached on a smaller level. And then just everything I've done in my own life, I could tell you that there's a lot of positive impact that can result as someone like Kyle working with you. Just like athletes have their coaches on the field. Think of coaches in terms of your own life, your business, and everything else. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We will have more shows coming up season five. Check out Psychic Visions podcast, my new show with Megan Kane and signed with Electricast Media. We'll have stuff coming up with that as well. And I really look forward to providing more programs in the future. And if you have any questions, you could always email me at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get
0: lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card.
2: Bakers, fresh for everyone. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the natureback podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement. Inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast. ElectroCast.